Well, good morning. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark. Sorry, not Mark. Matthew chapter eight, uh, 4. We'll start there. Maybe if I know where I'm preaching from, it would help. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 is where we're going to start from. Uh, when Pastor Scott called me and asked if I'd be able to fill in this morning, I said, well, where would you like me to preach from? He said, wherever you want. He said, but bring a word of encouragement, because I've had them in the minor prophets for a long time. <laughs> they, they could use some encouragement. So we're going to get our encouragement today, starting in this passage and using some many others. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, while well, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, this is Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Let's pray together. Father, as we, as we gather together today to hear from you, I look forward to what you're going to do this morning. I thank you for what you've already done in the first service, and will do again in the next. But Lord, as much as you empowered me to share this message this morning, I need a fresh anointing right now by you. And we need you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We gather today and we ask you, make these passages come alive in our hearts. Teach us. Help us to see who you are. And may we get this encouragement today. You've shown us in your book in Romans chapter 15 that the scriptures have been written for our encouragement and that we would have hope. Challenge us and encourage us today from this passage and the others you want us to see. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of you are probably saying, Jim, if you're going to bring a message on evangelism, that's not usually encouragement because that's when we walk out of here feeling guilty and ashamed and we feel like we've been challenged to do a better job. Well, let me just say something to you this morning. You will be encouraged today if you let the scriptures speak to your heart. Look closely at what happened here. Jesus is walking along the sea. This is the Sea of Galilee. Simon Peter and his friends, James and John, are all fishing. But look closely at what he says. He says two things. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Listen closely. This is what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to take familiar passages of Scripture that we've had used over the years to, to challenge us to go out and knock on every door and share Jesus with everybody. And I'm going to show you that actually the Scriptures have been saying that God's plan for evangelism is that not that you would go and reach everybody, but that you would actually follow him. And as you follow him, he will make you into fishers of men. Actually, you're going to hear by the end of today's message that you'll actually start to see God use you in telling more people about Jesus as you focus less on evangelism and more on following Jesus. Follow me, he said, and I will make you fishers of men. So I want to encourage you with that. If you're focusing on following Jesus, he will use you. In his plan. Now let me just say something to you, and we'll see this illustrated throughout the message as well. In Acts chapter 17, verse 25, Paul says to the Areopagus on Mars Hill in Athens, he said, God's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. In other words, God doesn't need us to get his stuff done. He wants to use us, and there's a lot of joy and reward if we let him use us, but don't think for a second, if we don't tell them, they won't hear. God's way bigger than that. But he uses those who follow him. Now, let me just start to lay this out for you. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 15. Jesus has just asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they've said a list of different people that the world thought that he was. 
But look at what he says in verses 15 through 20. Matthew 16, verse 15. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Isn't that interesting? There's a few things I want to pull out from here. Again, he's just asked, who do people say that I am? And they listed John the Baptist and Jeremiah and others. And he said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, and Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And, and Jesus points out a couple of things to him. He said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. By the way, if you don't know what Bar-Jonah means, Bar-Jonah means son of John. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. In case you didn't know it, Peter was a Johnson. Peter, Simon, son of John, John's son. Okay, that's free. But hey, I come from good stock. He said, blessed are you, Simon Johnson. He said, because flesh and blood hasn't opened your eyes. My father opened your eyes. And I say now, you're that new creation, Peter. If you do a study, you'll find that when Jesus first meets Simon, Peter, we know him as Simon Peter, his name was Simon. And he says, you're Simon. One day you will become Peter. Jesus says, you're that new guy now. I'm telling you right now, you're Peter. You're that new creation. And upon what you've just said, your profession of your faith, I will build my church, listen, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Don't miss this. Let this sink in. Let me encourage you with this. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church and Satan can't stop it. Now, let me ask you a show of hands this morning. How many of you have ever heard the statement, the church, especially in America, is dying? Most of us, haven't we? Well, let me ask you a question. Was Jesus wrong? Or is there a chance that what we look at isn't what he considers church? Take it from a traveling preacher. For those that don't know me, I pastored churches in New Orleans and Chicago and Florida for 20 plus years. And for the last 16 years now, I travel around the country and speak in different churches every week. Last weekend, I was in Lake City. Next Sunday, I'm going to be in Merritt Island. And I'm around the country all the time. And let me say something to you. The church is doing fine. Jesus is building his church. The question is, do you want to be used by him? Do you want to be a part of what he's doing? Because he's going to build his church and the gates of hell aren't going to stop it. But do you want to be a part of it? Well, let me say something to you. How you be a part of it is you don't focus on evangelism. You focus on following Jesus. As you walk with Jesus, he orchestrates your encounters, kind of like the badgers were sharing. He actually puts you in places where he's already laid the groundwork and you actually get to see people come to know Jesus when you stop trying to reach people for Jesus and you follow Jesus. He makes us fishers of men. Look at what he says in verse 20. After Peter gets it right and Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't open your eyes, man didn't open your eyes, my father opened your eyes, I'm gonna build my church on this profession of your faith. And he says this, now I don't want you to tell anyone that I'm the Christ. Don't miss that. As you're about to see, as we follow him, he will determine who we talk to, who we don't talk to. When we speak, when we don't speak. Where we go and where we aren't to go. 
Now, some people say, well, Jim, the only reason Jesus here told him, don't tell anyone that he was the Christ is because uh, it wasn't time for him to die. And if they started telling everybody first, they didn't really understand what that fully meant. And if they started telling people, then people would try to kill him before it was time. And no, 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 read your Bibles. In John chapter 4, Jesus told the woman at the well, I'm the Christ. She said, we hear that the Messiah is coming. Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. He wasn't against people knowing that he was the Christ, but he determines who we tell, when we tell. Remember Paul? He had a passion for the Jews. He, he said, if I could go to hell and that would cause the nation of Israel to be saved, I'd do it. And Jesus says, yeah, but it's not my plan for you to go to the Jews. I'm going to use you to go to the Gentiles. Go to Acts chapter 16. Let me show you this in action. In Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. Paul and his companions are on a mission trip. Acts 16, starting in verse 6. And they, Paul and his companions, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, Paul and his companions are trying to be obedient to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, going to all the world to make disciples. And we're going to talk about that passage in just a little bit. But as they're doing so, they're following Jesus. And as they try to go into Asia, the Spirit says, no, you're not to go into Asia. But I love the fact that Paul doesn't just go sit home and say, well, I'll just wait until I get a word from the Lord where I'm supposed to go. No, Jesus had said, go, but listen as you go. And so he tries to go into Mysia, but the Spirit says, no, it's not there. A little later, he has this dream and this vision of a man of Macedonia saying, come and preach the gospel to us. And they realize that's where God wants us to go. And so they go there. And if you know the story, they don't know exactly where or who, but they're looking for where God's at work. And so they go and look for a place of prayer. And they find these women down by the water, uh, by the river. And by the way, who was the first convert in Macedonia? I heard it, Lydia. By the way, the Bible says that the first convert in Macedonia was a lady named Lydia who was a seller of purple. By the way, if she's a seller of purple, she has money and influence because purple was a really expensive color and cloth at that time. And if she's a seller of purple, she's a wealthy lady with influence. And actually, she says she wanted the church to start in her house. Now, the Bible also tells us, if you keep reading here in Acts 16, that she was from the city of Thyatira. Does anybody know where Thyatira is? It's in Asia. It's in Asia. Paul says, I want to go into Asia. Jesus says, I'll get you into Asia. But I'm going to do it my way and my plan because I'm building my church. I've got a plan. I've got a schedule. I've got this all worked out. And I'm doing things according to my plan. And I don't need you to go out and knock on every door. I need you to walk with me and follow me. And as you follow me, I will orchestrate your encounters and I'll turn you into fishers of men. We've tried to become fishers of men without following Jesus. I'm going to challenge you. Follow Jesus, and he will make you fishers of men. It'll just happen. You don't have to work at it. But I jump ahead of myself. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Let me take you to verses 35 through 38 in Matthew chapter 9. 
Let's take a look at another passage we've had used to tell us to go tell everybody. But it doesn't really say that. In Matthew chapter 9, look at verses 35 through 38. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Stop before we read verse 38. Listen to what Jesus just said. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now, this is the point where the preachers then says, we need more laborers, correct? And this is what we've heard. We, the laborers are few. We need more laborers. We need more people out there telling people, you need to get off your rear end. You need to work more. But that's not what Jesus says. Look at verse 38. After saying the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, he then puts the focus back on him, back on the Lord. Therefore... Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, the one who's in control of all this, to send out laborers into his harvest. He said, look, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Ask the Father to put laborers into his harvest field in his plan, in his time, since he's working this out. I saw a lot of you raise your hand that you are grandparents. And I'm pretty sure that some grandparents out there today have grandkids that need to be saved, and you want them to be saved. Don't assume that you're the one that God's going to use. There's nothing wrong with praying for them, but pray the Lord of the harvest to put people into their path so that he can bring them to him. And say, Lord, I, wanna, I want this, to want to share with them. I want to be a part of it. But if you choose that I'm not the one you use, I just want them to come to know you. May you put people in their path. A lot of us sometimes do a little bit of damage because we're out there trying to get people saved and God says, I'm doing this. It's my schedule, my plan. You just follow me and I'll use you. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest field. Pray that the Lord will send who he wants where because he's in control of where we go, when we go, how we go. Again, I'm not against knocking on every door, but I am against it if you're just trying to do it because you think the strategy is going to reach people. If Jesus told you to go knock on every door, then you go knock on every door, but you still, as you go, you're listening as to whether or not he wants you to stay there or to move on just like he taught them. Let me throw one more thing out from this passage. Jesus said in verse 36, uh, 37 that the, field, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We've always read that word few as in not enough, Right? Isn't that how we read it? The laborers are few. We don't have enough laborers. This means yes. This means no. You know, right? Isn't that how we've heard it? Let me throw something out to you to chew on. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, Wides the path that goes to destruction, and many go that way. Narrows the road that leads to eternal life, and how many find it? Few. There's a chance Jesus isn't saying we don't have enough workers. He might just simply saying, we're already starting with a small number. We know that as much as Jesus died for the whole world, most of the world is going to reject him. Those that come to faith in him and put their faith in him, that number is few. We're already starting with a small number. And because we're starting with a small number, why don't we check with the Lord of the harvest to have him orchestrate who he puts where? I don't think he was saying we don't have enough workers. 
I think he was saying, we're starting with a small number compared to the rest of the world. Why don't we let the Lord of the harvest tell who goes where and when? And we'll see more fruit. Go to Matthew 28. Let's look at verses 18 through 20. Again, another passage we've been, had taught to us to tell us that we had to go and tell everybody. And I believe everybody ha- will hear and everybody does hear. But look closely at Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, Go and make what? Disciples. What's a disciple? A follower of Jesus. Teaching them to observe everything that I've taught you. He doesn't say go and make converts. He says go and make disciples. As you follow me, teach others to follow me. And oh, by the way, I'll be with you. Because it's my power and my authority as I'm doing this. Because I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell are not going to stop it. Folks, the church is going to be fine. The church is fine. Let me encourage you with that. Now, you may not be getting rewarded for being a part of what God's doing, but he's looking for those who are willing to say, here I am, use me. But we then don't put our faith in a strategy. We don't put our faith in a program. We just walk with Jesus. And as we walk with Jesus, he turns us into fishers of men. He does the work. He orchestrates all the encounters so that he gets the glory. So here's what I want to do with time we have left here. I want to go back to the calling of Jesus' first disciples there. Uh, that, but we're not going to look at, at Matthew's account. We're going to look at Luke's account. Go to Luke chapter 5, and then we're going to parallel and, and see how Jesus had to reteach that same lesson in John 21. And Luke chapter 5, we'll start in verse 1. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he, this is Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Now getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. We fished and fished and it didn't do anything. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners, this is James and John, and the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had just taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. What Jesus does is he shows up, and there's a crowd there, and he gets in Simon Peter's boat, and he has them push out on from shore just a little bit. And if you know anything about acoustics, if you're actually on water, you can actually project your voice a long way out to the land. It just hits off the water and does that great. And it gives them a little space because the crowd was there. So he turns to Peter afterwards, and he says, hey, why don't we go out a little deeper and throw the nets for a catch? Peter says, look, we fished and fished, and we haven't caught anything. By the way, that sounds like a lot of churches 
evangelism strategies that I've worked with. We fished and fished and haven't caught anything. Jesus says, let's, let's throw it out there anyway. Well, because you say so, because you said to throw the net, when? I'll do it. All of a sudden, there's so many fish. Supernaturally, there's so many fish. They're embarrassed. And Jesus said, come on, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. Now, three years go by. Jesus has been walking with his disciples, teaching his disciples. And by the time we're about to read what we read, turn over to John 21. By the time we get to John 21, Jesus has already died. He's already risen from the dead. And this is now the third time that he appears to his disciples to reveal himself to them and to teach them. And look closely at what happens here. There's a lot to pull out from here. And John 21, verse 1, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Sounds familiar. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they weren't able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John who's writing this gospel, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they weren't far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they got out, on land, got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, what? Follow me. Jesus had to reteach these guys the lesson. After three years, they just said, well, let's go out to fish. And they're out there fishing, and they fish all night again and catch nothing. Now, Jesus is on the shore watching them the whole time. And I believe, the scripture shows us, that they could see Jesus the whole time. Now, they don't know who he is. They don't recognize who he is. But I can prove to you that they saw him, and they knew that some local yokel was sitting on the shore watching them fish, even though they didn't know who it was. How far from the shore were they? 100 yards. That's the length of a football field. You can see the length of a football field. You might not be able to recognize who's at the end of the football field, but you can see that far. And not only that, what was the condition of the fire when they got to the shore? Charcoal. If you've ever made a fire, it doesn't start charcoal. 
it burns down over time period to charcoal. Jesus has been sitting on the shore watching these guys struggle, and he doesn't say anything. And they just, man, they're fishing all night, throwing on each side of the boat and catching nothing. Some guy's on the shore with a fire watching them. And in the morning as it starts to get daybreak, he calls out, haven't you any fish? Now, David Jeremiah, in his preaching on this years ago, brings out the fact that actually in the Greek, it's in the negative. Pretty much what he said was, you don't got any fish, do you? How's that working out for you? And he says, throw it on the right side of the boat, and you will. Now, don't you think they'd thrown it on the right side of the boat? But they don't know it's Jesus. They're not doing it because they know it's Jesus. They just, they're just so ready to try anything. But when they do what Jesus says, supernaturally, again, the net's so full of fish, that's when they go, that's the Lord. Now, I love when they get to the shore, listen to this, Jesus already had fish on the fire. In other words, I don't need you to get fish. But he does say what? Bring some of the fish you caught. I'll use what I do through you, but don't think for a second that I need you. But then, after going through the how many times do you love me times with Peter, he then each time tells him what? Go tell more people. Mm -mm. He said what? Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Make disciples. Teach them to observe everything. Teach them how to follow me. And then he says it again. Follow me. Folks, I want to encourage you. Do you want to be a part of what God's doing that's going to get done? He's already written the end of the book. He knows how it's all going to play out. And the day of judgment has already been set according to Acts 17, 31. He's already set the day. It's all on schedule. It's not waiting on anything. But the question is, are you going to be a part of it? But don't set out to go reach people for Jesus. Set out to walk with Jesus. Follow him. And as you walk with him, he'll show you, I'm orchestrating this. I've orchestrated this. I love hearing your guys' testimonies, the Badger's testimonies. You followed Jesus to go on mission, but as you went, you were listening. And he sent you to this, this person or to these girls or whatever. And he orchestrated all that. He put a love for... Cuba in your heart, just so you would run into a Cuban who was in Mexico City. You understand? This is amazing. And I want to close today by sharing with you an experience of mine that illustrates this perfectly. Years ago, I had the privilege of going down to Thailand to teach 200 pastors for a week at a Christian conference center. I wrote a book years ago called The Principles of a God-Centered Church, Eight Principles of a God-Centered Church, and they requested that I come down and teach that whole book, those eight principles, for a whole week to 200 pastors in Thailand through a translator. We slept there. We, uh, we had all our meals there on the Christian Conference Center, spent the whole week there. And so when I go down, uh, I, I, I sit down at one of the tables for my first meals there, and there's all these tables in the conference center that we're having in the cafeteria. And across from me sits a person, and I say a person because at this point, I don't know if they're male or female. They're dressed all in black. Their haircut is such that I still can't tell if they're male or female. And so I said to this person, who obviously looked different from all the other pastors there, there I said, what's your name? They said, Chris. I'm thinking to myself, this doesn't help. But then the person said, my name is Chris, but call me beer. I said, beer as in like the alcoholic drink? He goes, yeah. I go, um, 
Beer, why do you want me to call you Beer? He said, because that's what I live for, and all my friends call me Beer. I said, Beer, you're probably not one of the pastors here, are you? And <laughs> I hope not. But he goes, he goes, no. I go, then what are you doing here? He said, I heard that an American was going to be speaking this week, and I came because I want to practice my English. I'm going to follow you everywhere you go all week, and I'm going to be sitting here with you every meal, and I'm going to go every time you speak because I want to practice my English. Now, I'm thinking to myself, you don't know what you just signed up for, buddy, but all right, here we go. <laughs> but every time that I tried to share the gospel with him, he would go, no, I'm not here to be a Christian. I just want to practice my English. And so I had to learn throughout the week when the Holy Spirit was saying, say something, and when the Holy Spirit was saying, don't say anything. Just keep talking about other things. Now, by the end of the week, he's not any closer to coming to Christ. And I was going to be flying from Bangkok back to the United States on Sunday, and I said to him, I said, look, I don't know if I'll ever see you again. Could you make me a promise that you'll go and hear me preach one more time at a church in Bangkok called Takaset Church. He goes, I live in Bangkok. I know where that church is. I said, could you promise me that you'll come hear me one more time because I don't know if I'll ever see you again. He said, I make you a promise. I'll be there. Well, that Sunday comes and I'm looking. Church has started. He hadn't showed up. And so um, about 10, 15 minutes into the service, I look and here he comes in the back door. I get up from the front row, run to the back of the church and I sit down with him and I said, Beer, help me out. I said, um, they're all doing this service in your language, and I don't understand what they're saying. Could you be my translator? And I had him repeat to me everything that was being sung, everything that was being said. They took the Lord's Supper. I acted like I didn't know what it was. I said, what are they doing? He goes, oh, well, they're eating this bread, and it represents Jesus' body, and they're drinking this cup, and it represents Jesus' blood. I'm like, that's really cool. Keep telling me more. And, well, they're singing this, and, and he's repeating the whole service to me. Now, when it's time for me to preach, I get up from the back of the church. I come up to the front with my translator. I preach the message. Now, this is when I'd love to say beer comes down the aisle, but he doesn't. As we're leaving, as I'm heading to the airport, he goes, can I have your email? I would like to still stay in contact with you to practice my English via email. I said, sure. And for the next few weeks, we would email back and forth. And then one day, I get an email from him, and he's writing it like he's a Christian. So I quickly sent an email back. I said, Beer, did you become a Christian? This is what he wrote back to me. Get it flipped. There we go. Pastor Jim, I'm sorry that I, for not telling you that I have become a Christian already. I decided to give my life to Jesus just a month after you had left Thailand then. I'm sorry that I didn't keep in touch with you due to my busy study. Actually, I was thinking of writing an email to tell you that I was reborn, but I was stuck with such many things that I forgot to tell you. Honestly, after you had left here, I keep going to the church every Sunday, wondering and protesting. Anyway, I became more and more open to Christ, and one day, I believe God is real, suddenly after seeing a woman healed from crippled. All I want to do is saying thank you for putting me in the right way of God. If it wasn't because of our promise to meet again at Takaset Church, I wouldn't have tried to go join the church and got such a new life. Hope to see you again, Chris. Isn't that awesome? 
let, let me say this to you, though. I didn't go to Thailand to reach somebody whose email address was lethal calamity. <laughs> I went following Jesus to go teach pastors how to walk with him. And he orchestrated it so that this guy would just be in my life and I had the chance to share with him. Folks, let me encourage you. Stop trying to go reach everybody. Walk with Jesus. He will make you fishers of men. It's fun. It's easy. And all we got to do is just listen to him and be watching. Would you stand this morning? There might be some people here that have been wondering and protesting. And God's got you here. Maybe you're listening online or on the radio right now. And God has orchestrated it that you would be here listening. If today is the day that he opens your eyes, we're not gonna force anything because if you say yes, it's because God opened your eyes, not because we sang 17 verses. We're going to give you an invitation, though, if you're here and you'd like to come and trust Jesus as your Savior. The pastors are going to be down front. I'm going to be here as well. But we're not going to drag it out. If this is the time that your eyes have been opened and you stop protesting and you're ready to surrender to what God is doing in your heart, we'd love for you to know Jesus. All you need to understand is that you're separated from him because of your sin. And he's holy, but he loves you. And he's already provided a way to take care of that sin problem you have. He himself, God himself, came and took human form and lived the sinless life, the life you and I could not live. And he was punished on that cross in our place, and he rose from the dead, and he says, if you just would believe and give me your life, I will give you eternal life. That's it. So let's pray together. Father, as we take this time now to respond to what it is that you've been saying to us, Lord, excite us about how you're going to use us and keep us from coming up with the strategy to go reach people. May we just walk with you and see you open many, many doors for your glory and your kingdom. And Father, thank you for that encouragement that you're going to build your church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But Lord, we pray that if we get to see part of it happen today in this invitation time, for your glory, may that happen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.